We are in a war. Whether you realize it or not, we are in a war. We are in a war like we have never been in before. We are a battle like, in a battle like we have never been in before. We are sons and daughters of God. We are children of God. We are servants of God. We are soldiers. Some are soldiers. Let me, let me change that. All of us are supposed to be soldiers. Some soldiers are warriors. We're all supposed to be soldiers. But some, they don't have to be compelled to be here, to show up. Because some of you are warriors. You recognize the fight. You recognize the battle. You recognize the storm. You recognize the challenge. You've read the scriptures. You understand where we are. So where are we? We're at the gate. We're at the gate. We're at the gate. We're at the gate. At the gate. We're at the gate. Hmm, what is the gate? Before I get there, Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, Well, I'm thinking about building my church. And I know I'm going to have to fight hell. I hope we can overcome. Is that what Jesus said? You going to let me get by with that? You sat there listening like that's what he said. That's not what he said. Jesus said, I, you're my sons and daughters. I hope you get on board. I hope you understand your soldiers, your warriors. I hope you do. But he said, if you don't come along, I will. I'm not thinking about it. It's not just an idea, a concept. It's not just something I hope will happen. Jesus said, I will, without a doubt, I will, I will. When you will something, it's different than just a concept. He said, I will build my church. Let me just go on record as saying, this is God's church. This church belongs to Jesus. It's not Steve Ball's church. It's not your church. It's the church of Jesus Christ on planet earth, and we are part of him. We are his bride. He said, I will build my church. And not even the gates of hell shall prevail against my church that's what jesus said he knew there would be opposition he knew there would be challenges but he still said my church i'm gonna build it gates of hell will not shall not cannot prevail against it period
in some places, it doesn't really look like I think he wants it to look. But be not deceived. When it's done, at the end of the day, that verse is true. He will build it, and hell shall not, cannot prevail against it. Look at your neighbor and say, I know you're a soldier, but are you a warrior? Mm. See, somebody threw that back at me. You didn't like that. Well, I don't know if I'm a warrior or not. That's, that's, that's really not me. You better get suited up. You better get ready. You better put on the equipment that you have been equipped with. Because we are in a war. So we're at the gate. What is a gate? A gate is a passageway. It's a threshold. It can be an entrance or an exit. Some folks are on or at the gate and they're inside. And the gate is keeping them in. It's a prison. They're not free. And the gate is the prison door, the jail cell, that has you locked in, locked up, shut up, shut down. So you are not fulfilling your purpose and your destiny. You're at the gate. But you're locked in. And what's on the outside, you can't get to because the gate is shut. You're at the gate. But you've got to get out to fulfill your purpose. Other folks are on the outside looking in. And the gate is prohibiting them from crossing the threshold, going through the passageway, and getting to where they need to go to fulfill their purpose and destiny. I don't know if you are on the inside looking out or on the outside looking in, but I stopped in here today to help you open the gate so you can go through Whichever way you need to go. I don't know which way you need to go, but I need to tell you, we have come to a decision point. We have come to a, I like that, <laughs> crossroads. Somebody else helped me preach. We have, we have come to a turning point, and we are at the gate. The gate is a place of security and protection in many times, many places, many ways. If you're on the inside, it may be protecting those that are trying to get to you and penetrate the gate. If you're on the outside, it may be 
locked and closed to keep those from the inside coming after you. I, I, I don't know where you are. I, I do know you are at the gate. And gates are strategically placed. Gates control the passage of people to and fro. Gates are typically put in place for a purpose. It is a threshold. Somebody shout, at the gate. There are some ancient gates, especially in Jewish history, and Israeli history, found in the Bible. And these ancient gates are significant. The gate was a place of protection for a city. They would build it around the city. And the, the gates were there to protect the enemies from coming in. And really, the safety of the city was determined by the strength of the gate. If the gate was weak, the enemy would push in, go into the city, ransack the city, kill the men, rape the women and children, steal everything they wanted because the gates were weak. The gate was a focal point of power. It was a seat of authority. Business took place at the gates of the city. Marriages were arranged at the gates of the city. There was something called a covenant, and the custom was when a transaction took place at the gate... It was done there because there were always witnesses present. There were what present? There were what? In the mouth of two or three witnesses. There were witnesses present at the gate. So transactions took place. Business deals were arranged and took place. Disputes were settled at the gate. Judgment and punishment was often carried out at the gate. And because witnesses were there, and it was also a place of covenant, when a transaction took place, oftentimes the custom was when the deal was done, there was an exchange and one party would take off his shoe and give it to the other party and walk off so everybody could see there was a covenant that had just taken place. If you'll come back sometime, I'll preach about that and the shoes and the significance of the covenant. I don't have time today. But ancient gates were significant. Military strategies were planned out. And executed at the gate. The psalmist said in Psalm 24, Open up, you ancient gates. Open up, you ancient doors. And the king of glory will come in. Let the king of glory enter. Who is this King of glory that I'm talking about today. I'm glad you asked. He is the Lord strong and mighty. He is the Lord who is invincible in battle. He is invincible in this war that we are in right now today. He is the Lord of heaven's armies. 
He is Jesus. He is the King of glory. So open up, you ancient gates. Open up, you ancient doors, and let the King of glory come in for this battle. Because the Bible says the battle is the Lord's, but the victory is ours. We're in a war. We are going to gain the victory. Some of us are warriors. All of us are soldiers. But the King of glory is coming in to fight the battle. And he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So let's talk about the gates in your life. Let's talk about the gates that we all have to deal with. Look at your neighbor and say, you have life gates. Deal with them. The first one is the head gate. The mind is the battleground. Many of your wars, your battles, your storms are won or lost in your mind before you ever step on the field of conflict. We allow ourselves to be defeated because we think we can't. Let me just make a declaration. We are not I can't people here at Metro Tab. That's not us. If you're looking for that church, it's down the street somewhere. We are, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. We are, I can people. We are overcomers through the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony people. We are greater is he that is in me than he that is, he that is in the world kind of people. That, that's who we are at Metro Tab. So if you're looking for something else, that, that's down the street. Your head gate, your thought process, what you are thinking, how you are processing, what you are considering in your mind, how you are understanding where we are in history right now. Because we are somewhere, and it's in the book. And it's very significant how you process. I would be very careful how I processed. And this head gate is very important. I can't, I can't stress enough how important the head gate is. Because when you're in battle, when you're a warrior, when you go on the field of conflict, you can lose a hand. You can lose an arm. You can lose a foot. You can lose your, your legs below your knees, or you can lose them below your groin. You can, you can lose limbs. You can even get wounded in your internal organs. But if your head is cut off, it's over. You can live without fingers. You can live without hands or arms. You can, you can, you can continue in life crippled and wounded. But if your head has been severed, severed, it's over. 
So at all costs, oh, don't miss this. At all costs, we must protect our head. We have to have the helmet. We have to protect our head. We have to control our thought processes and what we say through this book. This is our battle manual. This is what we read to help us get through the storm, the battles, the wars that we are. We have to have this. And you cannot get through without your head. So your mental processing is the most important. I wish I had time to preach. Then there is the eye gate. That's the window to the soul. Just close your eyes for a moment. Now, get up, run to the break room, and make me a sandwich and bring it back. (laughs) With your eyes closed. Some of you could fumble around and find your way because you know this place. It's important, don't miss this, your eyes still closed. It's important to know your place. It's important to know where you are. It's important to be familiar with the place that you are. Do you understand what I'm saying? So while your eyes are open, you can open your eyes. Your eye gate is important because you need to see where you are and process where you are and become familiar with where you are and notice where the enemies are. Your discernment kicks in because your head is already in line with him and what you see. You begin to discern and you know who is the enemy and who is not as the enemy because some will come as wolves and in sheep's clothing. You cannot always tell the book by the cover, sir. So your eye gate is very important. You need to see. But you don't just see. You have to see. You can't just read. You've got to read the Bible. You've got to see who's out there. You've got to see your enemy. You've got to see those that are aligned with you, that are allies with you. You've got to see. Let me move on. I, I don't have time. The ear gate is very important. You've got to be careful what you hear. Because there is a battle cry. There is a war beat. But the enemy will use anything he can to distract you. And when you start seeing things that are not where you're supposed to be, and you start following the distraction, you you start following the, uh, what do you call it, the uh, bling bling, when you start hearing things that you really should not even be listening to. You know, some folks are proponents of only listening to Christian music. Only. Oh, it got real quiet right then. It got real quiet right then. You see how, it's like, what's he going to say now? What's he going to say now? Let me just put it like this. That's not a bad idea. It's, it's not a bad idea. Be careful. What goes into your head, what goes into your eyes, what goes into your ears, be very careful. And just moving quickly because of time, I'll come back maybe and preach this again, but your mouth gate. Your mouth gate. Some folks get their mouth in gear before they get their mind in gear. And they try to share a piece of their mind 
Listen, before you start sharing a piece of your mind, you better be sure you have some to share. Most of us need all we have. We don't need to be sharing the little bit that we have. We, we need to be careful what we say. Most of us get ourselves in trouble with our mouth. Mm. This, this is all just a little foundation for where we're going. Somebody say at the gate. The hand gate represents our labors, our actions, our work, what we do. And <laughs> some folks don't do nothing. <laughs> when, I, when I was in college, they called them gold brickers. When it came time to work, they, they're tipping out. I'll be back. I'll be back. And they never came back. When, is it over? I'm back. So our hand gate is very important because that represents our labors. Let me go a step further. It represents your ability and your gifts manifesting and being used to advance the kingdom of God. Because everybody here has gifts. Everybody here has ability. And there's no big eyes or little use. We are all part of his body. It's his church. Whose church? He said, I will build my church, Jesus said. So we're all part of his church. But listen, I like my little finger. I like the last, t I like the fingernails. I, because they've had, everything's got purpose. And the body that God created, every part of it has purpose. So I don't want any of it cut off. None of it. A few years ago when I had that bicycle accident, and the doctor said, oh, you need a knee replacement. I said, oh, no, no, this knee I've had it for many years. It's been very good to me, and I'm going to be good to it. And we're going to, you just give me 30 days to pray, and we'll come back. And, you and then if we need it, then, then you tell me. In 30 days, I went back. He said, well, you don't need any replacement. That's right, because we prayed and we covered. Come on, somebody. And then our heart gate. This is your spirit. This is the seat of your soul. Your, your heart is, be careful what you receive into your heart protect your heart because the enemy wants to come along and he wants just to snatch your heart out throw it down and stomp it under his foot but I read where when you pay your tithe and sow your seed it crushes the head of the serpent Protect your heart. Be sure your armor's on to protect your heart. So these are some of the life gates that are significant, that we have to process, that we have to uh, be sure have armor, especially starting at the head. <clears throat> at the end of that slide, the bottom of that slide, it says you will face the life gate giant. Does anybody remember him? His name was Saf. He had another name. Does anybody remember that name? Sipe. I just happened to write a little book a few years ago about the secrets of a giant killer. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 4, in the spring of the year when kings go out to battle, it says, Sibachai, the Hushethite, killed 
Sippe or Saf, same name, same person, same giant. Sibikei killed Saf. Saf was the first giant after Goliath. When David went to the brook and got five smooth stones, he wasn't worried that he needed five shots to kill Goliath. He only needed one. But he also knew that Goliath had four brothers or uncles. Theologians argue over whether they were brothers or uncles. Doesn't really matter to me. There were four more giants. So David had one stone, one smooth stone for every giant because he knew when he killed Goliath, the other giants were coming after him. But he was a skilled warrior and he had mentored and trained other warriors. So David had some mighty men of valor and he had trained Sibachai whose name um, incidentally means one who is like a corpse. Look at your neighbor and say, he was a dead man. The Bible says, when I have been crucified with Christ, I live. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, it is not I that lives, but Christ lives within me. So when we've been crucified with Christ, the old man, the man of the flesh has been crucified, we died. And if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation, a new creature. Old things are passed away, all things are brand new. So even though this was Old Testament, it was still very significant that Sibachai, whose name means one who is like a corpse, one who is a dead man, he went out to fight the giant Saph or Sippe. And the Bible says he killed Saph or he killed Sippe. The giant went down. I don't have time to preach it all. It's in the book, except we're sold out. So if you've got one, you need to go back and read. Starts on page 46 and read about Saf, the bully, this, this giant. And he was really not as big and bad as he pretended. He was big, but he was a junior giant. And as you dig into the scripture and you dig into the context of this giant, Saf or Sippe, he was a junior giant. He was young. He was inexperienced. He was not like the other warrior giants. But his name, Saf or Sippe, it has two meanings. The first part of his name means cup or bowl or basin that holds, don't miss this, blood or wine. So the name Saf or the name Sippe means bowl or cup or basin that holds blood or wine. Rita just gave you a little lesson on the blood of Jesus. Wine or juice is used to symbolize the blood of Jesus. And this giant's name means bowl or basin that holds blood or wine. And he stands as the first giant that we face to break your covenant with Jesus. To sever that relationship. To push you back. Because the other part of his name means threshold. Somebody say at the gate. 
The name Saf means threshold. So in my book, I call him the threshold giant. Because this junior giant, this inexperienced young junior giant who really was not a warrior, stands at the threshold, at the gate, where we are to cross and go into a new place or a new season. Whether we're going in or going out, he stands at the threshold and says, nope, you're not coming here. I am here as a giant to stop you, to hinder you, to cause you to be afraid. And just think about it for a moment in your own life. How many times have you had the opportunity for a new season, a new business, a new relationship, whatever it might be, and as you are looking at that new season, all of a sudden you start thinking about, I don't know if I can do this. I've got this obstacle. I've got this battle. This is, this is what I have to learn. I don't know if I can take this new job. They want me to do this, and I, I've never been trained in that, or I'm going into, from this high school grade to the next grade, or I'm going from high school to college, or I'm going from college to a career, to a job, or, or now I'm going to get married. I'm, and and when, you th- when you cross the threshold, there's always these battles in our mind of, can I do it? Can I really do it? I don't know if I can do it or not. That's Saf. That's the giant Saf, the threshold giant standing at the threshold, at the gate, telling you, nope. You're not coming here. And he's so big, he intimidates. He's so big, we don't look on the other side of what God has for us. We just look at the giant. We look at the gatekeeper. We look at the gate. We look at the threshold. And we stop in our tracks because we are afraid. That's why God said, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. That's why he said in Revelation 21, 8, and the fearful and the unbelieving and whoremongers and adulterers and liars, all liars, a long list of blue ribbon sinners. The first thing he said was the fearful. He puts people that are afraid in the same category with murderers and adulterers and witchcraft and rebellion and lying. That's why this giant says, no, let me intimidate you. Let me cause you to be afraid. You don't know what's on the other side. You can't do it. You're unworthy. You're not trained. You don't have the right this or the right that. You don't have enough money. You didn't have the right mentors. Your skin color is the wrong skin color. You're not old enough. You're too young. You're you're not young enough. You're too old. Whatever he can do to intimidate you, this giant Saf stands at the threshold to stop you and to render you powerless. But David's warrior that he had trained, Sibachai says, I'm already dead. Let me deal with him. He can't hurt me. He can shoot me. He can stab me. He can try to cut off my arm, my, my legs. He can do anything he wants to to me, but I'm already dead. My name means one who is like a corpse. I'm a dead man. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. It is not me, but Christ lives within me. And when you are dead, I don't care how big the giant is. I don't care how big his Gatling gun or his machine gun or his AK-47 is or his AR-15. I don't care how big it is or how long the knife is. I don't care how many other people he's killed. When you've been crucified with Christ and you face the threshold giant, that 
giant is going down. Oh, you didn't hear me. I said that giant is going down in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout, yes, 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 yes. Somebody, somebody say, at the gate. At the gate. So here's a verse. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. You, who? Me, you, all of us, you, must love, you what? Must love. Who is it you said you didn't love? you got to love everybody. You must love the Lord with all, the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And in the New Testament, it's translated, it says that, then it says, and you love your neighbor as yourself. Reading on. Talk about these commands. Talk about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Talk about these commands when you sit in your house. Where? Come on, talk to me. Where? At your house. And when you walk on the road, when you what? So when you sit in your house and when you walk on the road, everywhere we go, we are supposed to talk about the Lord our God, whom we love with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. Talk about them when you lie down, when you go to bed, and when you get up. It ought to be the last thing on your mind when you lay down at night. I'm preaching to somebody. It ought to be the first thing on your mind when you get up in the morning. Talk about these things when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them on your hands. Because some folks can't remember unless it's on their hand. What is this for? Oh, I remember. Tie them on your hands and wear them on your foreheads to help you remember my teachings. And then watch this. Write them. Write what? You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and with all of your strength. Write them on the doorpost of your houses and on your gates. So when you go in, when you go out, you see those writings, those teachings, the word of God that you need to remember that is a part of you. Write it on the doorpost. Write it on the gates. So when you go in and when you go out, you will not forget who he is and who you are in him. Oh, did you hear me? So you will remember who you are in him. Now here's where we're going. You will find purpose at the gate. Somebody say at the gate. I told you when we began, I don't know if you're outside the gate or if you're inside the gate, but if there's a gate stopping you, I came to open the gate. I came to help you break it down if it needs to be broken down. I came to help you push it in if it needs to be pushed in. I came to, hand, to stand with you and help you protect and keep it closed if there's an enemy trying to come in and we need to keep it closed. It doesn't really matter where you are at the gate. Whatever you need, God wants us 
to have victory at the gate. So in Acts chapter 3, we read about the lame man. Somebody say he was crippled. He was crippled, the Bible says, from his birth. So he, he never had been able to walk. He had never worked. He had never done anything because he was crippled. He was lame. His ankles did not work. His feet did not work. His legs did not work. He could not mobilize himself and carry himself where he needed to go. He was crippled. Effectively, his purpose had been stopped and stifled. He could not do what he was supposed to do. He could not be what he was supposed to be. He could not go where he needed to go because this man was crippled. He was lame, the Bible says. And in his adult years, and theologians say that he must have been a little over 40 years old when this was written. The Bible says every day, when? Every day. They came. I don't know who they were. But they came and they carried him and they laid him at the gate. Beautiful. Now, there were many beautiful gates and many gates that were around the city of Jerusalem. Not just one gate. But this gate had been named the beautiful gate. Because it was beautiful. It was magnificent. It was taller than all the other gates. It was more ornate than all the other gates. It had more decoration. It was a beautiful, gorgeous gate. And it was outside the temple. And it was there that many wealthy people would come and go. So that was the place he wanted to be to beg for alms. Because there were people coming in and out that could give to him. And in those days, the custom was that if you gave alms to somebody, if you blessed a beggar, God would have favor on you and you would be blessed. So everybody that went by would give alms to the people that were at the gate. And this lame man, this crippled man, was at the gate. And so people would come by, and he made his living by begging. His hand was out, and that was the only way he had of earning an income and receiving an income so that he could live. He was at the beautiful gate. And today, there are people all over this planet, all over this country, all over Chattanooga. There are some in this room that are at a beautiful gate. You're at a beautiful place in your life. But you're not fulfilling your purpose. You're not doing what you were really called to do. Because something has crippled you. It may have been from your birth. It may be something that happened in high school. It may be a daddy or an uncle that abused you wrongfully. It may be a school teacher. It may be a spouse that you were married to once upon a time. It may be somebody that you work for or somebody that worked for you. But somewhere along the way, because of life, even though you are at a beautiful gate in a beautiful place in a beautiful city with beautiful people around you with wealth and people passing by you that could help you, you're at the gate crippled. I'm preaching better than you're shouting right there. You got real quiet on me. And this man was there. Now don't miss this. 
He had certain expectations. Let me say it again. They brought him every day, daily, laid him there. And he had certain expectations. In his own mind, in his own life, in his own whatever he was doing, you want to call it a business or whatever, he certainly had a quota that he had to have every day that averaged over the course of the week, the month, the year, in order to pay his expenses, just like you have a budget. You do have a budget, right? You have a budget. You have a quota. There's a certain amount that you have to earn to pay your bills. And if you don't earn that, if you get laid off, if your business doesn't do good, if your employer doesn't pay you for the work already done, there's a problem. Because you have certain expectations. This man was at the gate daily with expectations, with his hand out. And here comes Simon Peter and John. And they saw him. And no doubt he did his thing. Whatever that was. I don't know if he looked pitiful. I don't know if he cried a little bit. I don't know what he did, but he did his thing so they would give him money. Are you with me? Somebody said he was crippled. And he was at the gate. And Simon Peter looked at him. And I don't know what he expected. I, I guess he probably expected somebody to put some money in the cup. That's why he was there. So you have to determine why you are at the gate. He was at the gate because he expected somebody to drop money in his cup. He had expectations. He had forgotten his real purpose. His dreams of years gone by had faded. I'm preaching to somebody. I may not be preaching to everybody, but I'm preaching to somebody. The dreams had faded. The goals had faded. The purpose was no longer on the forefront of his mind. Do I need to back up to that verse that said, write it on the post, write it on the gates, write it on your forehead, tie it to your hands. That's so you won't forget. So you've already forgotten that. We have to keep our purpose in front of us. We have to keep our goals in front of us. We have, to, we have to keep the plans of God, the destiny of God that he's spoken to you. We have to keep those in front of us. We have to be reminded daily. We come in here and we receive communion on Sunday and we do it in remembrance of him. But when we remember him, we remember the promises. We remember all the things that he said he's gonna do. We remember the download. We remember the vision, the goals, the plans, the purpose. We remember that we are healed by his stripes. We remember that God's got a plan and purpose for us. We remember that we are going to walk in our devil conquering destiny. We remember that we are warriors. But this man had forgotten all of that. And he was expecting one thing. Put some money in my cup. Now I like what Simon Peter said. He stopped. And he looked at him and he said, hey, look at me. Look at me. 
He had enough God in him that he knew when that crippled man lifted his eyes and looked at Simon Peter, he knew he had enough God in him that he would see something different. He would see somebody different. It was not just another person going by that was going to put a few coins in his in his cup. He said, look at me. Fix your eyes on me. Look at me. We ought to have enough God in us. Then when we go to work, when we go to school, when we go to the grocery store, when we go to the gas station, when we go to the ball field, that wherever we go, we ought to have enough God in us. When people look at us, they don't see us. They see God. He said, look at me. In other words, he said, when you look at me, your legs are not going to feel crippled anymore. You're not going to feel like you're on welfare anymore. You don't belong on welfare. When you look at me, everything in your mind is going to change. Your head gate is going to change. Your eye gates are going to change. Your ear gates are going to change. Your hand gates are going to change. Your leg gates are going to change. Your heart gate is going to change. You're at the gate. But when you look at me, everything is going to shift. Somebody shout, at the gate. Come on, shout it, at the gate. I came to break you out. I came to get you in. I came to set you free at the gate. I I gotta move on, we're out of time. I, I gotta move on, I wish I could stay there. Simon Peter said, look at me. That which you are expecting. I see you got your cup. I see you got your basket. I know you have your quota. I know what you expect. You've been expecting it here because you've come daily for many, 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 many years. I I understand all that. But look at me. Everything is about to change. I don't have silver. I don't have gold. Now, if that had been some of us, we'd have just dropped our head and quit looking at him. Because he only had one thing on his mind. Could I tell you that maybe the one thing that is on your mind is the wrong thing? You better check your head gate. You better check your eye gates, your ear gates, your hands, your mouth. Because some people make the wrong thing the wrong thing. He only had one thing on his mind. And Simon Peter said, look at me. He had a choice to make right then. Will I look at him? Oh, it's just another man. And when he said, I don't have any money. Or he could stay focused and look past the natural. Oh, you missed that. He could stay focused and listen to the authority in the voice. You see, when we speak, we need to speak with authority. I promise you, Simon Peter didn't say, hey, look at me. That wasn't the way it went. 
said, hey, look at me. In other words, what I've got, you need to hear, you need to see, you need to tune in, you need to focus, you need to get rid of all distractions, you need to change your expectation. Look at me. We need to speak with authority. We need to speak a word. And when he said, look at me, he was saying, your lame feet. He hadn't said it yet. He just, but when he said it, see, sometimes you got to say with authority what you haven't said yet or what you can't say yet. But when you say it with the right authority, it's going to be communicated. He said, look at me. And what he was saying to the man is, if you'll listen, if you'll pay attention, if you'll focus, if you'll change your expectation, you're about to get something you never had. And you've heard this one, but to get what you've never had, sometimes you've got to do what you've never done. He said, look at me. The man looked at him, evidently. He didn't quit him. He didn't get distracted. He didn't... He didn't, he wasn't disappointed. Simon Peter said, I don't have silver. I don't have gold. I don't have that for you. But I tell you what I've got. Such as I have, I'm going to give you that. And when I give you that, it's better than silver. It's better than gold. It's better than what you were expecting. It's better than what you thought you were going to get today. When you got up this morning, you had no idea that you were going to get what you're about to get. You've been worried about quota. You've been worried about this or that. But look at me. I don't have that. But what I've got here, I'm giving what I've got to you. Oh, I wish that we could get in the church where we would start giving what we've got to everybody. We would give it to our family. We would give it to our neighbors. We would give it to our co-workers and those that we meet throughout the week. Give what you've got. And the Bible said, Simon Peter took him by the hand. Now I read, as I, as I studied this this week, I read one commentator, that one, one preacher that said, he helped him up. I, I can just see him going, be careful now. You never walked before. You've got to be very careful now. You, you haven't been balanced in 40 years. You've got to be very careful. And all that might make sense, common sense, to some folk. But to faith folk. I, I'm talking to faith folk right now. To warriors. You know, it might make sense to just a soldier, just to an enlisted soldier that don't want to be there, but or drafted soldier they don't want to be there but to faith folk to warriors I don't believe he gently helped him up and got John on one side and him on the other side and just I don't believe that the Bible says immediately immediately in a moment immediately <laughs> the, the man got up the man jumped up here's what the Bible says the Bible says he went running, running. You didn't hear me. He, he went running. When, when you run, you're not worried about weak ankles. You're not worried about tripping up. You're not worried about stumping your toe. He went running, and the Bible says he went leaping. 
He was putting those legs to the test. He went re leaping and running and jumping, praising the Lord. I believe he probably was twirling a little bit. I believe he got his Pentecostal charismatic word of faith shout on. Because I know how I would act if I had been lame and crippled over 40 years and all of a sudden, immediately, I was healed. I'm going to test them out. I'm going to jump. I'm going to spin. I'm going to run. I'm going to shout. Everybody stand. Stand up. I got more, but I got to quit. We got church tonight. Somebody say at the gate. I don't know. I don't know where you are at the gate. Like I said, I don't know if you're on the inside needing to get out. I don't know if you're on the outside and you need to get in. But you're at the gate. God put this message in my spirit. You're at the gate. Put your hand on your head. Pray this prayer. God, touch my mind. Touch my mind. Touch my thought processes. Touch my thought processes. Anoint me to think right. Anoint me to think right. Help me to process. Help me to process. The things in my life. The things in my life. And filter them. And filter them. Through the word of God. Through the word of God. Touch my mind. Touch my mind. Now touch your eyes. Say, Lord. Sanctify these, eyes. Sanctify these eyes. Anoint these eyes. Anoint these eyes. To see what you want me to see. To see what you want me to see. I cancel out, I cancel out every, evil thought, every evil thought and everything that I would see, and everything that I would see that's, wrong, that's wrong according to your word. According to your word. I cancel out, I cancel the, out spirit of lust, the spirit of lust, pornography, pornography addictions that I would desire after. Things that, are unpure and unholy. Things that are unpure and unholy. I cancel them. I cancel. Let them die. Let them die. Now. now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Touch your ears. Say, Father. Father. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Your word says. Your word says. He that has an ear to hear, let him hear. He that has an ear to hear, let him hear. Thank you for my ears. I have ears. Thank you for my ears. Anoint my ears to hear. Ears your, to word. your word. Pure things. Things, holy things, holy things righteous, things, righteous things, good things. Good things. I, cancel out I cancel out the things that would be wrong, the things that would distract me, that would come through my ears, that would come through my eyes, or would come through my thoughts. I cancel them now. Let them die. Let them die. In Jesus' name. Now touch your mouth. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for the word to speak. Thank you for putting your word in me. I cancel every vain word that would come out of my mouth. 
in the name of Jesus let condemning words let negative words that would come out of my mouth be canceled now let them die let me speak life I am a life speaker I am an I can person in the name of Jesus now touch your hands thank you Lord for these hands these hands are created to fulfill purpose and destiny representing my labors what I do where I go anoint these hands anoint these hands for your purpose in the name of Jesus use my hands use my mouth use my mind my eyes my ears to help set the captives free those that are at the gate anoint me to go through the gate and bring others with me in the name of Jesus do it now in Jesus mighty name amen amen and amen now put your hand on your heart say my heart belongs to you God nobody else my heart belongs to you I surrender I confess my sins anoint my heart as the heart of God fill me overflowing in Jesus name use me as a warrior in this war to be all you've called me to be and immediately I will jump and run and shout I will praise you from this day forward all the days of my life in Jesus name amen amen and look at Psalm 100 the passion translation says this you can pass through his open gates with the password of praise I'm looking for some praisers up in here. Are there any praisers in the house? I'm looking for praisers. I'm looking for worshipers that will help me praise Him and glorify Him and represent Him and be used by Him all over this metropolitan area called Chattanooga. Because 19 years ago, 20 this coming October when God placed us here at the gate of the city in the heart of Hamilton County. If you get a map of Hamilton County and you lay it down on a table and you turn your eyes and you put your hand in the middle, the very middle of Hamilton County, you know where it is? It's a thousand feet from this bridge between here and Shallowford Road is the center of Hamilton County. And almost 20 years ago, God placed us here as a gatekeeper church. I told you the, the vision God gave me a few weeks ago about the, the sleeping giant called the church. 
Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church is waking up. We are part of that giant called the bride of Christ, called the church of Jesus Christ on planet earth. We are part of that. And the giant, I wish I had time to preach. I'll tell you this later, but the giant is getting up. The giant's just now kind of stretching and rolling over. But the ground has already begun to shake. The tremble of his movement is already being heard. And the giant, God's giant, is getting up. We're at the gate. And today, I declare your freedom, your liberty, your purpose in Jesus' name. I declare it. I want to challenge you to take this message. They'll post it shortly. I want you to take this message. Listen to it every day this week. Get it in your spirit. Get it in your heart. Get it in your mind. Get, li- listen to it and listen to it and listen to it and listen to it. Share it. Send it to somebody. Get it in the hands of somebody that needs to be set free. Get it in the hands of somebody that you know is part of the remnant church that is rising and they need to hear this. Get it out. How many will help me? You'll get it out. We're a gatekeeper church. But it takes us all doing our part. And what I know that in this room, I preach to some folks today. Some of you are broken. Some of you are wounded. Some of you are crippled. Some of you have been knocked down. You've been knocked back. You've been lied on. You've been lied to. You're wounded warriors, wounded healers. But today... The soothing power and presence of the Holy Spirit has covered you and cloaked you. And the healing has begun. The anointing is flowing. The anointing oil brings the healing. Your bodies are going to be healed. Some of you, in the next 30 to 60 days, you've been sick. You prayed and prayed and prayed. But in the next 30 to 60 days, some of you, you're just going to walk, wake up one day and go, You know, I had this pain, but it's, it's gone. That, God's healed me. I, I have this problem. I have this, and God's healed me. It's, it's going to start happening. Some of you, you battle with finances for a long, long time, but you, you just watch it. In the next two weeks, some of you, finances are going to begin to fall into your hand. Jobs are going to come your way. Resources are going to come your way from unexpected places. Somebody in your family is going to die and leave you money you never even thought was coming your way. It's going to start within the next two weeks, but don't be surprised if it's happening 30 days, 90 days, 120 days, 180 days. Resources are going to come into your hand because you are part of the remnant that is rising. You are a warrior. You are part of the giant called the church that God is raising up. And when God said, I'm going to build my church in the gates of hell, would not prevail against it. That means you're not going to be afraid. You're not going to worry with fear. You're not going to have physical problems. You're not going to have financial problems. You're not going to have relationship problems. Come on, somebody. You say, Pastor, how can you say that? Because I read where the children of Israel were delivered from Egyptian bondage for 400 years. And when they left, some theologians say there were 2 million. Some say there were as many as 6 million. There were several million people. And the Bible says when they left Egypt, they went out. There were none sick among them. So at least two million people, you know there's some sick folk. But when they left, 
They were all healed. And it said they plundered Israel. They went out with silver. They went out with gold. They went out with horses and camels and animals. They went out with silver and gold and, and Babylonian garments and everything they needed. And nobody was sick. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. Somebody shout, at the gate. We're at the gate. But the gate's about to swing open. And you pass through his open gates with the password of praise. Write it on the gate. Write it on the doors. Write it on your forehead. Write it on your hands. Do not forget what God has done. Amen.